Morning, everybody. Uh, really good to be here with you today. Uh, really exciting news to hear that announcement from Dan and from Don uh, about the next few weeks. And, and uh, I'm excited to spend some more time with Ryan and for everyone to get to know him. Uh, he's a really good guy. And uh, looking forward to seeing how God kind of unfolds this process and, and where he's taken us, um, uh, probably in some uh, really beautiful and surprising, uh, in surprising ways that's going to be really good for us as a community. Um, before, uh, or I should say, last week we jumped into, we kicked off a new series called As It Is In Heaven. And um, before we kind of jump back into it this week, I figured that a bunch of you are, you're probably wondering uh, if you watched the sermon last week, how my fishing trip went, I'm assuming you're wondering. Um, Val and I, we went with some friends out to Merritt and uh, we took a long drive. And uh, I'm glad to report that we didn't come back empty-handed. We got some, uh, we got some pretty big fish. Uh, we came back with two rainbow trout. One was one and a half pounds. One was two pounds, you know, so pretty good size. And uh, yeah, it was a really nice weekend. Um, probably one of the best stories from the weekend was um, Val was reeling one in, the two-pounder, the bigger one, which I haven't stopped hearing about. Um, She's reeling this thing in and my buddy puts the net out there, grabs it, you know, holds it up and, you know, wants her to take a picture with it. And so he holds it out so she can like put her hands uh, through the gills to kind of hold it so she can take a picture with it. And I watch her kind of hesitate. I'm wondering if she's going to grab this fish and if she's going to hold it uh, that way. And so she hesitates for a second. And then all of a sudden my buddy goes, "Uh, Val, you're going to be in nursing school in like two months. Like, you know, and before he can even finish that statement, he says nursing school and her hands are through the gills, holding it up, smiling. And so it was this moment of like pride. I was like, yeah, that's my girl right there. And uh, but anyways, it was a really nice weekend. Uh, Nice to be out in the sun. And um, I just share that. Say, hey, go fish in the summer. It's a nice time. like I said before, uh, last weekend we kicked off our summer series called As It Is In Heaven. And as many of you know, it's this, heaven is this space. It's like God's space. It's, it's something to do with like God's heart and his intentions, his, his presence kind of invading the reality of our lives. And so specifically over the next few weeks, we'll talk about uh, heaven like invading uh, more of our relationships, our community and the way that we connect with one another. Um, and uh, last week we started with this image of like a welcoming table that um, we want to be, be a people who, who welcome in kind of the broadest sense of the word. And so whether that is around in our homes or around our tables or just as we kind of acknowledge people and see uh, meet people out on the street, um, how does our body language, how does our life, like do we actually show people that we, we, we like people, we enjoy people and we're open and, and we're, we're welcoming types of people. A um, lot easier, easier said, uh, easier to talk about that ideal than to actually do it. Um, but I want to build out on that again this week and say uh, that if we're going to be people of welcome, if we're going to be people who kind of uh, display hospitality, again, in like the broadest sense, um, maybe the next thing to do is to be people who, who listen and people who, are, uh, who, who listen really, really well. And so... Um, this last week, I've heard this uh, a buddy of mine in the church who uh, just happened to be talking about, he's like, literally biologically, uh, you're made, you have two ears and one mouth. And he's kind of joking, but he's kind of serious. He's like, I think we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, and it's something to do with becoming people who listen. That, like, that's near to God's heart. It's uh, part of his intentions for us. And it's part of the way that we grow in community and relationships. Um, Listening something that in our culture right now, uh, as you look out at the world, uh, as you watch the news, this is something that I think you could argue in some ways we've kind of lost the, the, the ability to do this really well. 
um, when you look out at our world and you see uh, the political divide um, in different places, uh, you see some of the racial uh, conversations that are happening, uh, you see religious conversations, conversations around the pandemic and different phases and how we emerge from that, uh, whether it's how to go about economics or um, just the million and one decisions that you have to make every day uh, about your life or about your future, uh, there is a ton of rising tension in the way that we listen and converse and we go back and forth in, in those relationships. Um, maybe in your own life right now, you're feeling like a lot of tension in your relationships. I don't know what your week was like, but um, maybe with people uh, in your extended family, uh, there's conversations that are happening that are just really difficult to navigate. Maybe there's conversations at work that feel overwhelming. Um, maybe it's just conversations with uh, your neighbors or the people around you or the people that you don't disagree with or you kind of uh, identify as a, something completely different than, than them. Um, maybe that's really difficult. Um, but uh, I think that there's a gift in listening for us. I think that there's a call uh, to listening. And, uh, and I want to think about that a little bit with you this morning, about what it means for Town and Field Church to be marked as a listening community. Um, I want to start, I want to use James 1.19 kind of as a verse for us this morning to kind of jump from uh, like a diving board type thing as we jump off and think about this. Uh, in James, James talking to the church, talking to his community, he says, no, that, he says this, know this, my beloved brothers, like know this, my community, my church. Let every person be quick to hear. Let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Like use those two ears and don't use that one mouth uh, quite as much. Um, there's actually something about listening that's pretty difficult because uh, I spend most of my life, you probably sp spend most of your life with um, kind of unconsciously with you kind of at the center. Yeah. And in order to like properly listen to somebody one, uh, in order to properly listen to somebody, uh, there's a way in which you kind of have to remove yourself from the center and you have to put somebody else there and you actually have to attend to them in a way. And that's actually not uh, a very easy thing to do. Um, I don't like to be, uh, I hope I don't ever come across this way. I don't like to be like a church basher, or like a, someone who knocks Christians over the head. Um, but I actually think that this is something that the church has increasingly uh, gotten worse at. It's not something that we're very good at, is listening. Um, we like to talk a lot, not surprisingly. Uh, our culture, uh, we value communication. We value things like presentations, persuasion, promotion. Um, even there's irony right now in the fact that like I'm speaking about something like listening. Um, uh, the seminary that I go to and lots of seminaries, they have courses on preaching, but very few have uh, courses, for example, on like listening and attending to someone else, um, paying attention. If you look out at the broader world, uh, some of the highest paid contractors in the world right now, uh, they're motivational speakers, they're comedians, they're people who are maybe like former either cor corporate kind of CEOs or national presidents and they're out on the circuit and they go around and they command these huge speaking fees because this is something that like our culture values is the ability to speak, to, to articulate and um, to persuade and to promote. Um, when you look at the scriptures, though, I think I've said this before, uh, the number one um, complaint that God has against his people, number one, over 1,500 times, I didn't even believe that when I read it for the first time, over 1,500 times in the Bible, God's greatest complaint against his people is that we don't listen. He's like, you have ears, but you don't actually hear anything. 
Um, he gives his people, Israel, he gives them this prayer that faithful Jews, even today, they pray three times a day. Three times a day. Uh, it's the Shema. And in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5, it, it goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And Jesus adds to that, that you would even love your neighbor as yourself. Um, one of my favorite pastors, Trevor Hudson, he points out that in the Shema, you notice that listening comes before loving. Hear, the very first thing, hear, O Israel. Like, open your ears, open your heart. Attend to this, absorb this, um, listen. Uh, uh, Hudson says that the first duty of love is always to listen, that listening uh, comes before loving. Uh, one of my favorite Christians, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, um, he wrote in that little book, maybe some of you have it on your shelf somewhere, Life Together in 1938. He talks about community. He talks about life together as the church. And he says that there's a lot of people today uh, that are looking for an ear that will listen. Um, but they don't actually uh, find it amongst Christians uh, because Christians are always talking. Uh, we love to talk. He says this, the Christian that is deaf to their neighbor will soon be deaf to God. And those are pretty haunting words from Bonhoeffer. Um, it's just not something that we necessarily know how to do. We're taught to be advocates of the gospel. We're taught to be people who evangelize. We're taught to be people who are apologists. We kind of defend our faith. We speak our mind. We we raise our voice, we make our point, um, we have an opinion. And I think that, like, hear me, all of those things have a place. Uh, every single one of those things has a place. But I think that right now in our world with everything that's going on, both inside the church and outside the church, in our cultural context, like, like we need people who are really good listeners right now. Uh, the world needs that. And I think that Jesus shows us that, that how to do that. Um, I think sometimes subconsciously we think to ourselves like I'm standing on this ground and this ground is um, it's like the truth that I believe and somehow if I like open up and I, and I listen to somebody else like genuinely I don't kind of buffer myself or kind of offer a rebuttal or I am sort of some sort of apologist that somehow I'll kind of like abdicate that ground if I don't like kind of um, defend kind of that ground in a way. And in reality, I think the gospel and Christianity and the scriptures say, I don't think there is interested in that. I think what it's interested in is relationship. And that doesn't mean that you have to think the same thing. It doesn't mean you have to agree or even look or become exactly like that person. Um, but I think when we're uh, constantly trying uh, to uh, defend sort of our ground or our thoughts, I think one of the things that it does is it actually cuts us off from the ability to have relationship. It cuts us off from the ability to kind of have empathy and, and to have humility and to, and to listen to another perspective. Um, one of the things that happens, I think, in the church and out, out in the world right now is that uh, we reduce people into labels. We love labels right now. We love to reduce people into these abstractions. And so we'll label people like, oh, that person, they're this kind of Christian. Oh, that person, they don't believe in God. They're, they're an atheist. Um, that person, they're a progressive liberal. That's, that's them. Those people, they're really, really conservative. Don't know if you want to get too close to that. Uh, or what about this one? Uh, oh, those, those kids, they're just millennials. That's the way that they are. That's just who they are. Or the young people love to say, uh, just, just old baby, baby boomers doing their thing. And um, I think one of the sad parts about that is that when we reduce people to the labels, uh, 
Um, like I said before, uh, we actually fail to grow in connection. We fail to grow in uh, relationship. Um, we fail to see that that person has a story, that that person has certain experiences, that they're bigger than that label, um, that that's somebody's kid, that that's somebody's daughter, and that in uh, a lot of ways, if you listen close enough, that background actually, it, it makes some sense. Um, and so we fail, to, we fail to grow in connection, and I think I'll go further than that. I think when we reduce people that way, I think what we do is we fail to walk in the way of Jesus. I think we actually fail at relationship in ways when we, when we choose to do that. Um, I heard it said this last week that listening is the seedbed for compassion. Like write that down. Uh, don't forget that. Listening is the seedbed for compassion. Um, these are things that we have to learn. Conversation, listening, not just as Christians, but as society. Uh, this is like, listening is the most basic thing to being present to somebody else, to be genuinely present to another human being. And so whether you like what you're hearing or not, um, this, is, uh, this is about honoring someone else as like an image bearer and as a human being. This is about uh, learning to like have some curiosity about somebody else, to be surprised by them, uh, to have your imagination kind of expanded and opened and your worldview, um, your worldview grown in a way. Um, there's a lot of things that we uh, love to fight about, uh, to demonize about other people, uh, but I think when we start to see one another and to begin to honor one another, uh, we might actually dis discover it, a whole new set of interesting questions. Like we just talk past one another, or we're just talking points back, back and forth, or we're not engaging at all in any relationship because we've just kind of labeled someone. Um, and actually, when, when we start to have genuine interaction and we genuinely learn to listen, uh, there's going to be a whole new set of really interesting questions that emerge. It's going to make it's going to be a gift to us. And so, what I want to spend our time, a uh, little bit of time, doing this morning is I want to go through uh, just what I'll call a practice of, of spiritual listening, like to like to grow and uh, in listening to uh, one person, or maybe it's a group of people, uh, maybe it's someone who's uh, in your extended family, maybe it's someone, maybe it's your own kid, maybe it's a neighbor or or somebody else. But I just kind of want to work through this and and spend some time thinking about this a little bit. Um, the first one, uh, the first part of I think practicing listening is. Uh, to make space for somebody else. Um, anytime you engage in uh, a genuine conversation, um, you're valuing another person as like an image bearer and, a, and a kind of a, a, a human being, um, that they are beloved by God. If you're willing to listen to somebody, that's what you're kind of inherently doing. If you're treating someone as beloved by God, that they're, that they're valuable. Um, I heard it said this last week that... Uh, this comparing and contrasting to kind of two different cultures. One is kind of a circus-like culture, which is kind of, uh, they're trying to describe with this metaphor, uh, the world that we live in. It's a world that's, it's, a, it's full of distraction. It's, it's vying for your attention and you can be in around it and it's, and it's overstimulating. And what it does is you just show up and it kind of creates this, this culture of consumption. You just kind of receive it and take it in and it's, and it's hard to really uh, do anything other than that. And it compared and contrasts this, this circus-like culture with a garden culture. And um, in a garden culture, uh, what you do is you actually have to show up and you have to attend uh, to the plants. 
uh, a gardener shows up and notices um, the leaves and the plants and what's going on. It has to um, attune, uh, the gardener has to attune in order to take care. It's like this attentiveness um, where uh, you listen and you kind of home in on what's happening in order to cultivate and participate in this thing growing. There's a way that you actually have to attend and pay attention. Um, I, was, uh, I went on a walk this last week with this guy from our church. He's uh, just turned 70, which is hard to believe. But we went for this really long walk. First, we started kind of out in his backyard, which was beautiful. Him and his wife, they spent a lot of time working out there. And we went for this walk kind of through the meadow and around this pond and uh, through the woods. And um, it, was the, it was really beautiful out that day. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed as I walked with this man was um, how much he noticed. He noticed the flowers, and he pointed them out to me. Uh, he, know, he, 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 wanted, he pointed out where the streams and kind of where the salmon would jump during certain times of the year and how many salmon there were. He noticed some of the nests where uh, different birds were at and where different eagles were. Uh, he noticed the canopy of the trees. Um, it was really, really beautiful. This uh, man w- took me through his, tr- his walking trail and... Uh, it was amazing to the way that he had attended to what the beauty that was all around him. And we got back to his house where him and his wife, you know, they spend quite a bit of time out in their yard gardening and just it looks, you know, like a little bit of Eden out there. And they were showing me some of the plants and they're showing me some of the birds and uh, some of the, uh, and they're pointing out like this is where the finch and I saw, I saw this finch, this beautiful yellow finch uh, that was feeding at one of their bird feeders or eating at one of their bird feeders. Uh, we saw this woodpecker that he pointed out to me. And, um, I watched the way that he attended uh, and was att- attuned to what was going on in his garden, how he was uh, kind of at one in a way that him and his wife were cultivating something that was really, really beautiful. And as I was thinking in the context of this, I thought to myself, like, how many of us uh, are attuned to people that way? That we notice people, that we see the beauty in people, that we... Uh, that we kind of home in on them and, and pay attention and we open our ears and we're engaged and we're, we're curious about them. Um, and I think uh, that's the kind of culture that we want to create is we want to make space for people where we can have that garden-like culture where we cultivate relationship and we're open to that space. I think that's part of welcoming like we talked about last week. The second thing, part of listening that I want to talk about is just this idea of being curious. Um, there's always lear- something to learn about and there's always something to learn from someone. I was listening to this TED talk this last week and um, not a follower of Jesus, not in this person, this speaker, not interested like in God at all, uh, but talking about human beings and saying like every person is unique. Every person has a different experience. Uh, every person has uh, maybe some different type of training that they've received. Every person has sort of different interests that kind of make them tick. And so uh, do you have, have you lost kind of curiosity? Because every single person that you come across, you have the opportunity to learn from them. You can learn something from them. You can learn something about them. Um, and have you lost that kind of genuine curiosity? Uh, one of my favorite um, professors at Trinity when I was there, 
uh, I remember the first class that I had with him, he had just gotten back from a trip overseas. Uh, and we're sitting in that class and he took, I think he just kind of went off and rambled, but he probably took the first like 15 minutes and he talked about this trip and he talked about some people that he talked with in the airports. He talked about the person and some of the story of the person that he met on the plane. He talked about the people that he met who were his cab drivers and some of the stories and interactions that they had. Uh, he talked about people at the conference that he attended and he spent literally like 15 or 20 minutes telling us these in-depth stories about these people's lives who he had uh, got to know. And then he proceeded to take the next hour and a half and, and you know, teach on whatever the course material was. But that entire... Uh, class, I couldn't stop thinking about that first 15 minutes, those stories that he shared. It was like God kind of did something in my heart, and I was like, however this guy interacts with people, like, I want that. I want to see people that way. I want to be curious about people that way. I want to I be able to engage. He, this guy's not like an extroverted person. Uh, he's a very mellow, kind of normal, uh, pretty chill person, and um, Afterwards, I waited till everyone kind of, you know, cleared out the classroom and I went up to him and I said, hey, listen, you, you know, you spent some time talking about these, these people at the beginning of your class and I got to know, like, how, like, how do you do that? Like, I want, I want to talk to people that way. I want to engage with people on that level. And uh, I'll never forget the answer that he gave. He said, um, he said, I, he said, the, the most important thing that you can do is to become an expert at asking questions, uh, to be genuinely curious, um, to learn how to ask who, what, when, where, how. And, you know, at the beginning when you're practicing and when you're doing this kind of thing, yeah, you'll have some awkward questions. It might not go the way that you want it to. And some people will shut you down. But um, as you grow and as you learn, uh, there's a way in which you begin to ask questions. It's this art that uh, kind of opens people's up and it disarms them and it allows them to kind of talk about what they're interested in because you're genuinely curious. And, uh, and I think that that's part of the, the art or the practice of listening. Um, number three is to notice emotion. Um, you know, I've heard it said before that every conversation has, there's two conversations going on. There's one that's like verbally coming out of my mouth right now, but then there's all the things that I'm thinking and the emotions that I'm feeling and kind of the atmosphere that I'm creating in my body language. And, and so there's kind of two things going on. There's what's being spoken, but there's also kind of, uh, everything else that's being communicated or being tried to, uh, or that's trying to be conveyed. Um, and so part of noticing people's emotion when you're listening is, is not just listening with your ears, but listening with your eyes, uh, listening with your heart. Um, Susan Phillips, uh, she's, uh, she teaches spiritual directors, which uh, are people who are trained essentially on, on, on how to listen. And uh, she says, you know, often people will rattle off kind of a long story about uh, their week's activities, everything that they did, and then suddenly there'll be this like short word, this word hope somehow. They're hoping for something. And, and if you notice, you can kind of catch the person who's listening. That, that word will hopefully kind of catch your attention because you're listening with your heart. You're listening with your eyes. And you notice that actually maybe there there's something new. Maybe in that word hope there's something important. Maybe there's a thread that might lead to a deeper place. And so uh, the listener can turn and say, hey, you mentioned that word hope. And, um, and sometimes that, that goes to really surprising and, and unexpected and, and unexpected places and sort of new possibilities within that conversation. And so uh, part of listening is, is, is just being able to notice that it's not just what's being said. It's like Jesus, he goes, you have ears, but do you have ears to hear? Like, are you really paying attention? Are you noticing everything that's going on? Uh, the fourth one uh, as a part of this practice is to ask the second question. 
Um, this is never something that's like uh, kind of formulaic. This is always something that's kind of dynamic and has to be um, felt out. Um, these are questions like, uh, the second question might be something like, like, hey, you mentioned that, like, how's that, how's that going for you? Or um, what's, that, what's that like for you at the moment? Tell me more about what that's like for you. Um, that pastor I mentioned earlier, Trevor Hudson, he, he tells this story of, uh, uh, he lives in South Africa and his daughter immigrated um, to another country. And so for about three or four weeks, there was like this really deep, heavy sadness uh, because it felt like in a lot of ways, uh, his daughter, you know, was m moving from home and immigrating. And um, yeah, it feels like you're in some ways like losing someone that's so close to you. And so as he was, people would ask him, hey, how you doing, Trevor? And he would say things like, oh, actually, it's been a hard few weeks. It's pretty tough. And uh, people would jump really quick to kind of cliches or kind of encouragement. And, and fair enough, like, you know, it's hard to know how to respond in those situations. Um, you know, and they would say things like, well, at least we have Skype. You got Skype, you know, that's good news. And uh, he talked about how there's like this real frustration. He's like, I know that we have Skype. And I know that there's lots to be encouraged about. Um, but there's this deep sadness about his daughter moving away. And he said, I just wish, I just wish during that, si that time that someone would ask me like a simple question and kind of hold that space for me. Like, like, what's that like for you right now? What's that like for you at this moment? And I think um, if we want to become good listeners, it's uh, the ability to, we got to cultivate that ability to be able to ask the second question. Um, the fifth one is to uh, not be afraid of silence. Uh, most of the time we feel really awkward about silence, and I, I know I do at times. Um, but the reality is, is that whatever, like, whatever, the people who are professional listeners, executive coaches, counselors, psychiatrists, uh, spiritual directors, people who are professional listeners, this is what they're trained in. They're trained to kind of like hold those moments of silence because there's power in that silence. There's a moment when uh, rather than kind of interrupting it, and I know that you don't want to be awkward and hold long silences at the wrong times, but I think this is something that we can grow in, that we don't always have to be speaking or saying something. Um, William Butler Yeats, he says this, uh, he's a poet, and he says, we can make our minds so still like water that the people who gather around us, that somehow in a way we become so still like water that they begin to see their own images. And that at that moment they would begin to see clearer and they would live for a moment, perhaps with an even fiercer life because of our quiet. Um, what he's saying and what those professionals are trained in is that there's a moment sometimes in silence or stillness that you open up a space for someone to um, to reflect, to, uh, to think in ways about their life and what's going on in their emotions. It's a place to process. And sometimes silence is actually the most powerful way to listen to somebody. Uh, it's hard to know when to choose those moments, but I think that there's an opportunity for us to grow in that. Uh, the sixth one's related to that. Uh, it's this, and we have a hard time with this one as Christians. It's that you don't actually have to have the last word. <laughs> You don't have to get the last word in. Um, and maybe more than that, I think that we need to feel the permission to not always have to know the right answer. Um, I think we as Christians feel like we have to always be apologists or always defending or always advocating. And sometimes we just need to trust the Spirit to do the thing that the Spirit knows He needs to do.
or the thing he knows that needs to be done. Uh, If you think about a time in your life, like use your imagination for a second. Think about in your memory. Like remember back to a time when someone genuinely listened to you. When you remember back to that time, um, there's something about that moment that even as you remember it, that memory kind of moves you again. And if you think about that memory, it's probably not what that person said that you remember. It's probably not what they spoke. It's probably how they listened and how they attended to you and paid attention and absorbed and heard what you were, he- heard what you were, you were feeling and trying to articulate. You know, whether that person was a teacher or a camp counselor or a friend or a parent when you were a child, um, when someone held that space with you, uh, it wasn't necessarily what they said. It was, it was how they were with you. Um, and I think that listening, when we listen to other people, it's like, uh, it's like water to, to, to us when we're thirsty. It's, it's water to our thirsty souls. Uh, the last one is, is silent prayer. I think that a lot of times... Um, it's really good and you should uh, be bold, like offer to pray for other people, absolutely. But I do think sometimes uh, you can just kind of say a short silent prayer for someone. And actually sometimes that can be just as powerful. And so um, um, just to kind of sum up this idea of growing and listening, uh, to be people who uh, are quick to listen but slow to speak, uh, that God actually wants to create community through that, um, this is kind of what I'm trying to say this morning, is that spiritual listening is the seedbed of compassion. When you and I participate in this, spiritual listening is the seedbed of compassion. And as we do this, it's where humility and love, it actually grows in you. It's formed in you and it begins to flow through you uh, to the people around you. And so I'll end with a quote from Bonhoeffer. He says this, that the beginning of love for community is learning to listen to one another. Um, and, the, and how often is it our first act to actually listen to one another? Uh, one of the things we got going this summer is I talked about being a, a community of practice. And so where we ingi- invite God in that space, that spirit li- that lives within us, and we practice things and, and, and they become habits and God transforms us and changes us through those. And so a number of week backs, weeks back, I talked about um, kind of the chaos that, are, that, are, that we're experiencing in the world and also in our own hearts at times. And I talked about this practice of lament. And, um, and maybe that was, maybe you, you, you tried that that week. Um, and maybe that was significant for you and, and you want to kind of continue that practice. Uh, we put together, we made these uh, practice cards. And so um, you can check these out online. Uh, in our resources section, you can find those. If you want to drop into the church and, and actually pick up one of these hard copies, you're welcome to. Um, and it just kind of w- walks you through what it looks like to practice the practice of lament for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long you want to. Uh, but this week, uh, I want to, um, we made this card, The Practice of Spiritual Listening, and it kind of takes you through some of these steps. And so what I want to encourage you to do this week is um, I want you to just take one person in your life, and it doesn't need to be forced, doesn't, you don't need to tell this person, hey, I want to practice listening with you. Um, but just think of someone in your life. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe you just need to give them a call. Uh, maybe it's someone in your extended family. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood. Um, maybe it's someone that you work with. And, uh, and you don't have to go through these steps, you know, exactly. Uh, but uh, take on this practice and, uh, and um, because God actually wants to minister to people through you. Um, and I think the world actually needs this. Our culture needs this. Um, and I actually think that you need this. You and I both need this. We need God to form something in our souls. 
and uh, one of the ways he wants to bind us together as community. Uh, one of the ways that heaven is going to invade uh, for real our relationships is by becoming these types of people. Um, I feel like I feel like um, this is actually like it feels so cliche to me to say we want more of heaven to invade our relationships. We want more of heaven to uh, shape uh, the way that we relate to one another uh, because in most of my life uh, I have these ideals that I want but it's uh, the reality is often so far from that and actually when I'm in relationship with the people that are around me, it's actually really difficult. And maybe, maybe you're feeling that this week. Um, and I think that listening can actually be a means of grace for us. That we don't have to have all the answers, um, but we can participate with God in that. And he invites us into that. And actually he does want to do something through that humility, uh, through that compassion that's formed in us, and through that love that gets extended to us when we actually are a listening ear to somebody else. So um, let me pray. I want to pray... Um, through 1 Corinthians 13, which is, as many of you know, the love chapter. And uh, I want to replace the word love with listening this week um, because I think that listening is a form of love. And so let me read this passage for us and then pray for us as we go. And uh, I hope this blesses you this morning. So 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 to 8. Listening love is patient. Listening is kind. It doesn't envy. Listening doesn't boast. It's not proud. Listening does not dishonor others. Listening is never self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects and it always trusts. Listening always hopes. It always perseveres. Listening love, it never fails. Uh, Father, thanks for this morning. And um, thanks that your spirit, you Jesus, uh, you Father, you're here and you're listening to us this morning. Um, we say that this endeavor is actually, actually pretty hard. Uh, easy to talk about, much more difficult to walk out. Um, but I pray that more of your heart, uh, more of your intention, uh, that we would participate in that this week. And that you would use us, uh, each of us, as individuals and as a community, to be about the work of healing, to be about the work of empathy, about reconciliation, about love. And so much of that happens uh, through us first listening, God. Listening first. We love you, God, and uh, yeah, bless our church this week and uh, use us as we go. Use us to put on display uh, your goodness, your kindness, your beauty, your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks for gathering us this week and uh, excited for what's to come. Uh, lots of uh, new possibilities and opportunities for us as a church. And um, yeah, really excited. Bless you this week. Have a good one. See you soon.